Easter. What an incredible time of year it is. It's so much about more than chocolate eggs and all the different things that we traditionally know about Easter. It's about the resurrection of Jesus. And so you're joining with us at Live Church. I know you're going to enjoy this incredible message about what Jesus Christ has accomplished for you. There is hope in the world today because of what Jesus has accomplished. And so as we open the Word of God, I wanted to take you to John chapter 20 and talk about where Jesus is right now. So if you want to just turn there, I think the scriptures are going to come up behind me, which will help you if you don't have a Bible. And I'm going to get started and just dive straight in because of how great this day is, how great this moment is. And in John chapter 20, this, of course, is after Good Friday. Jesus has been in the grave. And now we read in verse 1, we read that early, this is an early service, Woo, 9.30, I hope you're caffeinated. <laughs> On the first day of the week, Sunday, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. I want to straight away want to ask the question, who was Mary Magdalene? Why, why was she so important that she woke up so early, so early in the morning, and then she, she just made her way to the tomb. And, and, of course, the Bible tells us in another place that Mary Magdalene knew. She knew that there were evil forces in the world. Mary, it says in another part of the Bible, had seven demons in her that were cast out. And yet, Mary, she followed Jesus. Jesus healed her, delivered her, and she watched Jesus die on the Friday. And here's what we understand, that when you're forgiven of much, you appreciate much. And right now in this room are a whole lot of people who will understand how much they've been forgiven from, like me. Like me. And so I've dedicated my life to see as many people as possible understand how great this moment is. This is not just a once-in-a-lifetime moment. No, this is a moment that will change the rest of your life. This is not a once-in-a-lifetime moment. This is an encounter that will have impact for your children and your children's children that you've not even imagined yet. So here's Mary Magdalene, and she's literally coming in to this scene, this scene that should be a scene of mourning. And yet when she turns up, there's the greatest shock that she has ever seen. As the dawn light begins to fill the cemetery, she notices that the tomb, the tomb that had been sealed with a two-ton stone had been removed and pushed, not just outside of the entrance, but pushed up a hill. Pushed up a hill away from the entrance of the tomb, the Bible teaches and shows us. And this removed, this, this word removed, the stone was removed, is the same word that the Hebrews used, that the Hebrews used for the removal of sin. I never realized that until I studied this again this week, that, that the Bible is so powerful, that this was a sign. This was a sign that when that stone was removed, that Jesus has come to take away the sins of the world. Everything that you've ever done that's wrong can be removed, and that's worth celebrating. That's worth realizing. And yet, 
I wanted to start by talking about potential. Here's Mary Magdalene, and she sees the removed stone. She sees it removed, and she starts asking questions. Where have they stolen the body? Where is the body of my Lord? You see, Jesus believes in people's potential. He believes in your potential. He believed in Mary Magdalene's potential. He had seen it in her all along. He believes that you are destined to do great things. He believes that. He recognizes that in you. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. That's why Jesus had to die. He had to die so that your potential would not just stay potential. That your potential would be moved from where you are right now to what God has called you to do. Can I get an amen from somebody in the house? And often we just think about potential is far off. But the same Jesus that removed the stone can fulfill your potential. Oh, but the price of fulfilling that potential cost God the Father everything. You know, before the service today, my son gave me a big hug and I just wanted to just let me know he loved me. And I, I hugged my son and I was thinking about what I was going to bring today. And as he hugged me, I thought to myself, I wonder how God the Father felt the moment Jesus woke up. The moment he opened his eyes in the tomb. I wonder how God the Father felt. It is finished. It is done. My son's awake. The pain and suffering of the past can now be forgiven. And as my son hugged me, I just thought, so many people in our world, they need to understand God's arms of love. God's arms of love around them to let you know, to let every single individual know of your potential, of what you can do. But of course, Jesus he starts talking, he, he comes out, and I wanted you to look at this with me because I think it's so significant. When Mary starts to look for Jesus, I think she was expecting Jesus to be in this white robe, and there'd be this moment of blinding light behind Jesus, like, oh, you know the moment, right? You know the moment where you just think you see it portrayed in the media, Jesus has risen from the dead, the, the stones are removed. Listen, it was still dark when she got there. And she's like wondering, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Of course, as she's asking the question, she's like, where is Jesus? She notices there are no more guards there. And the Romans, they had sealed the tomb with a Roman seal. They had not just put a two-ton stone in front of that grave. They, they, they surrounded it by, we think, four guards, four of Romans, four best of the best soldiers to guard that entrance. Because the Jewish leaders and the Romans leaders, they were in conversation and they knew that for some reason, if somebody stole that body, there would be a heresy that would come out of that. But what they didn't account for is that Jesus would wake up <laughs> inside the tomb. They didn't reckon that love could conquer all. They didn't reckon that love could have the final word that from the inside out, that that stone would have to explode because of the heart of God for people. And when Jesus and those angels that were there, those tough Roman guards took their weapons and ran away from the tomb. Why? Because evil cannot stand in the presence of good. And you may have things in your life right now that are difficult, but they can't stand in the presence of an almighty God, of a resurrected Jesus. And here's Jesus, and he's there, and this woman, Mary, she's trying to find him. And she turns, 
And she says this. She says, where, for the second time, where is Jesus? Where have they taken him? And she hears a voice. Woman, why are you crying? And she turns to where the voice came from, not even knowing that there was anyone else in the garden, because at that time, the light was just beginning. And she turns, and, and she's not even really paying attention because she's so confused. Does anybody know what it's like to live in a confused life? To be so afflicted by challenges and finances and family relationships and, and all of these things that entangle us. And, and yet this voice, woman, why are you crying? And she turns and she looked and she thought it was a gardener. And here's the problem that we often have. We look for the dramatic and we miss the obvious. We look for Jesus that is supernatural when Jesus is so ordinary. Here's this gardener, and this gardener, he is Jesus. He is literally Jesus. We need to, to read the Bible and rethink this. Jesus looked so ordinary that she thought he was just somebody there that was cutting the grass that day. So she turns to the gardener and she says, where have they removed Jesus? Where is Jesus? She's asking Jesus, the resurrecting Jesus, where are you, Jesus? I mean, that's the world we live in. We're looking for fulfillment in so many places. Well, thousands, if not millions in this part of the world are missing the fact that the life in Life Church is because Jesus is at the center of Life Church right here in the community. And people are looking for the ordinary and they're, they're missing Jesus. So this is what Jesus does. And in a word, he fulfills her potential. He identifies her problems and he talks to her about the penalty that he paid by doing one simple thing. He said her name. That's it. He said her name. He said to her, he said, Mary. And the moment she heard Mary, she realized, oh, he's not the gardener. He's, he's, he's not the gardener. And she's so confused. She even stops speaking. And she reverts to her language that she was raised with called Aramaic and she goes Rabboni teacher Lord and she cries out to him Jesus how can this be you were dead and now you're risen Jesus still looked like a gardener the only difference was that he said her name God knows every single thing you're going through you might think this is a big crowd Jesus knows your name why he hung on the cross was because he did it for you and for me. Oh, that cross became a mighty cross that day because of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus stayed on that cross for you. He saw your face, Joel. He saw your face, Helen. He saw your face, Keith. Come on, Jesus stayed there because he knows your name. Jesus he says this in John chapter 20, verse 17. He says, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father, your Father, to my God and your God. These are not just words. This is announcing an epic change this is radical this this these words 
or life transforming. That Jesus was now saying to a woman, now my God is your God. He wasn't just saying to her, don't just hold on to me. He was saying, you can no longer recognize my humanity. Let me introduce my divinity to you. You see, she knew Jesus as friend, but now Jesus was no longer friend. Jesus is Lord. And the shift, even though he looked so normal, was so significant that he would not allow her to hold on to him. Why? Because God doesn't want you to hold on to your past. He wants you to find your future. He doesn't want you to stay in your past mistakes. He wants you to move through there through forgiveness. You see, in that moment, Mary realized Jesus had become a bridge. And with a few nails and two pieces of wood, Jesus created a road that would lead to heaven. But you have to go through Jesus to get there. And she left that place running back and finding the disciples and letting them know Jesus is alive. When I first heard these words, I didn't understand who Jesus was. I wasn't raised in a Christian family. I didn't go to church. I thought church was full of hypocrites. Many of the churches that I had visited, I was a professional musician, and I would go and I would play my music and leave, and I didn't see people who understood their potential, understood the price that Jesus paid for them, understood that Jesus had to die. And when I understood that Jesus died for me, that he said my name, it affected everything I did from that point. I've got a picture of a bridge behind me. This is one of our modern architectural bridges. And a bridge is designed to get you from a gap, from where you are to where you want to go. How are you planning on moving from earth to heaven? One of the most certain aspects in, in life is that life one, one day will finish as we know it. And we're going to be faced with a decision. A decision, where do you want to go? Because there's only two places to choose from. And I wouldn't recommend the bottom option. <laughs> it's too hot. It's full of fury. It's full of pain because I believe that hell is a real place. I think it's so significant that Jesus, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, and then he appeared to Thomas, then he appeared to over 500 disciples over the next 40 days, had many appearances, many people became eyewitnesses. But I don't offer the eyewitness accounts of the Bible. I offer you a proof today. I offer you a proof that Jesus is my God because I've experienced it. I'm offering you a proof because many people here in the place right now, you've experienced Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've gone from where you were to where you want to be because of who Jesus is. If you've already said yes to Jesus, can you give God a round of applause in this house? If you're glad that God has removed your sin, he's taken you from where you were to where you want to be. I mean, that's incredible. That one fact is joy eternal. That's called eternal life. The party has begun, somebody. Come on, let's have a party. Jesus is alive. That means my eternity 
if I don't do anything else, I have received Jesus. You see, this was a real problem for me because I wanted to go to heaven, but I had sin in my life. Maybe you're better than me. Maybe you don't have some of the problems that I had. But the Bible teaches that in Romans chapter 3 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that word sin literally means missing the mark. It's an archery term. And the archeries, the, the artists, the, the people who shoot bow and arrows, Robin Hood people, come on somebody. <laughs> they, they, they shot for the center, the gold target. And, and the word that talks about sin is because if the archers hit the target but not the gold center, if not the bullseye, every time they miss the mark. So the point is, if our standard is 100% perfection, you may have got 99% and I may have got 13%. Don't ask me why I got 13%, I'm just pulling out numbers. The point is, you did better than me, but the standard was still 100%. If you're trusting in your own good efforts, to get to heaven. The issue isn't trusting in good efforts. It's good that you're trying to do good things. We, we acknowledge people that are doing good works. We think that's positive, but the standard, God's standard, because God is a holy judge, he has to judge. He has to judge the 1% mistake and call it for what it is, sin. So I realize that my good efforts all of our good efforts will not be good enough to take away for that 1%. We still crashed short of our destination. We couldn't get across this void. We couldn't get across this gap. And if we can't get across this gap and this void by our own good efforts, well then, why should we even try? Why don't we just give up? Why don't we just say, oh, it's not enough. Life's too hard. Well, if we do that, that is one of the most tragic things in society today. When people lose their hope and their sense of meaning and their sense of purpose, and we see it today in the business place, in the marketplace, in the fashion industry, in the music industry, so many people losing their sense of a greater purpose. So wrong. So many people giving up suicides and cutters and addictions and all of the challenges and problems that we have in society today cannot be solved by politics or by economics. They can only be solved by a loving God who gave his only son for our sacrifice to fix the condition of the human heart because that's the real issue. So Jesus, he sent Mary Magdalene. She started the party. She started spreading the good news that he has risen. This is not just a moment when we can be sad this is a moment when we should be sober. We should be sober and look at what are we trusting in because we want to populate heaven. Amen. We do. Hell was not designed for any of us, for your friends, for your family, for your kids. It wasn't. And people say, well, if God's good, why do we go through all this challenge and all this pain? There is evil in the world, people. Amen. And so many of us, we can have the power to make a difference by deciding to do what we can to help our world. I realize people go through tragic times. That's why Jesus is the only one who can identify with someone who has lost a child 
or someone who has lost a family member through a tragic accident, or someone who has gone through abuse and through challenges because Jesus on the cross became sin. His perfect life, Jesus was the only one who never sinned. He hit the target 100%. So what happened was when the devil thought he had won, the devil rolled up his sleeves and went after Jesus. And he thought when he killed Jesus, it would be finished. But what he didn't realize is this, that Jesus stormed the gates of hell at that moment. And he went down and the Bible teaches that he let out the captives who were there already who had died before him in hell. The people who were held in that place who believed in the promise yet to come. People like Abraham, people like David, all the great leaders in the Bible. And Jesus led them out into this triumphant, huge victory parade. I really believe that when you get sober and you start to think about your final moments in life, you have to ask yourself this question. Do you want to get to heaven and slip into heaven right before you die? Or do you want to live the life that God has for you on the earth? You see, this bridge, this bridge was never designed to keep you depressed. No, it wasn't. It was designed to bring heaven to earth. See, we think about, you know, moving from this side of the bridge, from earth to heaven, but God wants to invade earth with heaven. God wants to bring his goodness. That's why the Bible says, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's time for a heaven invasion in Yorkshire. An invasion in family members, restoration in the grace of God because of Jesus, because of what he has done. And now it's up to you to decide, will you receive Jesus? Because it's just that simple. What's the state of your heart? Is your heart broken? Are you trusting in your own efforts? Or do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And in an instant of time, through a prayer, you can accept Jesus and the Holy Spirit will give you a brand new heart. He will give you a brand new heart and you'll go back to that office place. You'll go back to that college. You'll go back to that university transformed with a new heart on the inside because of a prayer. <laughs> a great way to illustrate this is this. There was a tightrope walker who lived in the 19th and 20th century. And this tightrope walker had shocking blonde hair. Kind of like some of you here. So they nicknamed him Blondin. And he decided that he was gonna go and put a tightrope that you can just see on the screens across Niagara Falls. 25,000 people gathered on one side and they were shouting, Blondin, you can do it. You can bridge the gap. You can cross the gap. And on the other side, 25,000 people waited in Canada, waiting for him to cross over. So the New York side were like cheering, go for it, Blondin. We believe in you. We believe in you. You can do it. You can do it. And he walked across. Took him about an hour to walk across this tightrope. It's, it literally... It, uh, historians tell us that it, that it dropped 60 feet as he crossed Niagara Falls at the center. I don't know about you, but I'd be freaking out going across a tightrope. But of course, for him, it was just like a walk in the park. He knew he needed to get to the other side, and so he just did it. And the crowds cheered, the crowds cheered, the crowds cheered. He got to the other side, and he asked a simple question. He said, who believes? 
People say, we believe in you, Blondin. We believe in you, Blondin. And then he asked the question, then which one of you would climb onto my back as I go back across? See, we believe in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We believe he's alive, but is he in your life? Is your trust in him? If you haven't put your trust in him, then, then you haven't believed in him. And here this picture is one day, years after this, Blondin ended up crossing over 300 times. He never did fall. And one day, somebody said, I'll get on your back. One day, he got to the other side and he got onto the back. And I've, I've obscured the faces because I wanted to ask you a question. If Jesus knows your name, is your trust in him? Because if you've not gotten onto the back of Jesus, then your trust is not in him yet. Can you see your face on this example of a blonde and a tightrope walker, like a cross, that wood goes to heaven with a cross that reaches every single person. You see, the day I got down on my knees and I accepted Jesus when I was 19 in my little university flat, I realized that for years I'd walked over Jesus. I'd ignored him. I'd abused him. I turned away from him. I could have, I could have accepted Jesus so many years before, but I knew he was real, but I, I was frightened, I was scared. I didn't know what would happen next. So I just walked over him again and again. And Maybe you were like me. You just walked over Jesus. One day you came to church and then you stopped coming for years and then you just got on with your life. Focused on your business, focused on your career, just walked over Jesus. There's Jesus waiting, waiting for you to come home. Waiting for you with open arms to say, would you stop walking over me? and walk through me when Jesus opened his arms he created a bridge for you a bridge to bring heaven to earth to your family right now his arms are open he doesn't judge you the judging's done he took all the pain and all the suffering now his arms are open for you and for I and I don't know about you but I I'm committed to let people know how good Jesus is for the rest of my life I'm committed to have open arms and hug people in the red light district, the addicts, the business leaders, the lonely, the broken. I'm committed to let people know that Jesus loves them. And then not just leave them broken, but bring them to a place of victory and transformation and hope. Not just leave them broken. No, no, no. Not just leave people lonely. No, when Jesus fills your heart, nothing can change that. The Bible says in the book of Romans that nothing can separate the love of God from you. That our Jesus is more than a conqueror. That's why we sing about him being a victory. And we have a dream. We have a dream that right here today, you would make your peace with God. And you would invite Jesus into your heart. Maybe you did that many years ago, but you walked over him and forgot him. Why don't we walk through grace, through his love, and accept Jesus? And you're like, oh, Steve, it's like, this is crazy. This is insane. You're going to ask me to respond. No, I'm not. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer. It's just that simple. A simple prayer from your own way that transforms your life. That's as simple as that. So I'm going to ask right now, what, what are you hoping? What are you building your life on? Are you building your foundation on your own business success or on your own hopes or on your own good works? Or... Have you received Jesus? Are you trusting in Jesus? 
Because if you're trusting in Jesus, then everything changes. He transforms your life. He has transformed my life. I can't tell you now, 21 years married, 21 years, two kids later, both kids a medical impossibility. I've been healed of cancer when I was a kid. I've been through bankruptcy. I've been through stuff. And yet every single time, Jesus has never let me go. He's been with me every single step of the way, through every pain, through every challenge, through every difficulty. And guess what? Our best days are yet ahead. Our best days, your best days are yet ahead. Easter is a time of victory, and you might be going through challenges in your life. I want to encourage you to invite Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Jesus died for you, but He's alive. He's sitting at the right hand of God right now, waiting for you to invite Him into your heart. And if you've never prayed this prayer, or maybe you're far from God, and you know you need Jesus in your heart right now, will you pray with me and accept Him? He is incredible. He is everything you ever wanted in life. So let's pray right now. Jesus, thank you that you died for me. You forgave me. And now I realize that you're alive. Lord, come into my life. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin and my past. And I want you to be my boss, my, my pilot, my leader. Lead me from the place I am into experiencing the eternal life that you promised. Amen. Well, that prayer was just that simple. And if you prayed that, please drop us an email or better yet, come visit one of our campuses, Bradford, Leeds, Belfast, or Warsaw, Poland. We would love to host you, to greet you. Have a great rest of your Easter. And we are so grateful for these few moments that we've shared together. Cherish really came from me feeling a stirring in my heart to do something for, uh, to gather women together. I have to admit, I never really was drawn to women's ministry. It was the last thing that I thought I would do, but I noticed this emerging of these young women and these older women and so much potential for us to do something. And there's just something about when girls get together with purpose that they're just, there's such power in that and effectiveness in it. And so I wanted to create something that would pull people together to, to rally them around the greatest purpose of all, the purpose of God's kingdom, the, all those women's hands and feet coming together that was just like an army to me that were coming together to make a difference. And that excited me. And I began the journey and the momentum kicked in and it began to grow and then it grew some more and then it grew some more until now we have to have the arena as our home for Cherish. And every time I step into that arena and I see thousands upon thousands of women worshiping together, praying together, sowing seed together, crying together, laughing together. It's just this amazing cacophony of sound that is making an impact. It just, it travels further. Cherish is a coming together, but it's also a sending out. People never leave the same. Miracles happen in that atmosphere. There's such a power in all of these nations and people that are gathering. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a journey, but at Cherish, all those journeys somehow for those few days, find this united coming together 
power of God that operates through us and in us. And I think in our mothering or in our parenting, in our doing life, in our careers, we all are so busy uh, in this kind of treadmill of life we get on, so many things we have to take care of. To step outside of that and say, hey, we are called to set our sister up to win. We're called to set that girl up to win. We're called to set the next generation up to win. Something about that that is the essence of Cherish that I want people to step in and feel like, wow, here, people are setting me up to win. They want me to go further. They want me to succeed. I think that's something beautiful too about the atmosphere of Cherish and I love it. And I love seeing new people come and experience it for the first time. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about Life Church, check out our website, lifechurchhome.com, or download the app.